I'm pretty sure that uh, the software that is recording this is using AI to reduce the noise. And that's great. And that's a very powerful solution in the use of AI. The same can be applied to sports and to entertainment in order to make your experience more delightful. So why not? Artificial intelligence is already used by some teams and coaches to improve their performances and also in the broadcasting of sporting events. The technology and the data are already there, but the game is just beginning. One of the big things that I have been reading a lot about is injury prevention, for example. So a lot of players tend to, you know, want to make sure that they're, they're keeping themselves healthy. Are there ways that AI and data can help with things like that when it comes to their training, uh, recovery, and, and when and how you can anticipate someone coming back to the game? And that's, that's quite, I think, evident in a lot of teams. Artificial intelligence isn't just a buzzword anymore. It's the foundation of the next era of business reinvention. AI is already doing some mind-blowing stuff, like writing interview questions for podcasts and jazzing up audio recordings. It can even mimic my voice. Mi voz. Mi voz. Meine Stimme. Me voix. And that catchy jingle you hear, AI composed it, believe it or not. That's why at Globant, we are going all in on AI, reaching new dimensions to influence every area, industry, and business for the better. Welcome to Unscripted Tech, a Globant original podcast about the trends that are reshaping the technology landscape and how we respond to them. My name is Rebecca Reed, and I'm a digital marketing strategist at Globant. Over the next six episodes, we'll be talking with Globers about how AI is changing the game for companies across all industries. Let's dive into season three of Unscripted Tech. In this episode, we'll discuss how AI is impacting the way we experience sports. I think that we hear that from other institutions way more because we still don't think that the sports industry, it's a tech industry. So we do not relate the solutions that are being provided to us with that specific aspect of the tech side yet. But it's coming down the road. Gonzalo Azarza is the chief data officer at La Liga Tech, which is Globin's joint venture with La Liga, the Spanish Football Association. He was part of the first season of this podcast, and now he has even more insights to share. Fan experience is maybe one of the hottest topics in the sports industry, and where and what AI can do to enable that experience, to make it immersive, to extend reach, I think is a big thing because it's not just about people who cannot be in the cities or who cannot be there during game time, but it's those who actually can't access, whether it's because of a disability or otherwise, who have no access to those uh, opportunities to feel a live game and to feel what that looks and feels like, uh, to give them those opportunities through day-to-day -day analytics, through the wearables, whether it's a VR, AR experience, uh, I think that's going to change uh, change at large. Tanya Salarvand is an EVP of strategy at Globant. She focuses on fan, customer, and guest experiences and how to bring them to life with technology. So to get us kicked off, how is AI being used in sports currently? Can you share some examples of its applications in the sports industry? Right now, AI is being used in, in, a several, in several places, ranging from helping the coaches and the team to improve the performance of, of the players and the teams, uh, how to better reach the goals of that specific institution, let's say, to, to give it uh, a name, 
towards how to increase the financial engagement using data and AI in real time, uh, enhancing the, the venues of the sports, and also reducing some accessibility uh, barriers. For instance, one of the things that we're working right now uh, in the Liga Tech is how to include subtitles in real time during the OTT transmissions, the streamings uh, of, uh, of the different games in order to reach out all the audiences that were out of the space for several reasons, ranging from the language of the of the transmission of the match, uh, the comments, uh, let's say, towards how to also reduce the barriers to that part of the population that has some um, handicaps, such as hearing problems or addition problems. So we're also helping that. So you have a wide spectrum of solutions from the very tech business-oriented uh, solutions that I'm some improving the performance of the teams towards very fun-related uh, solutions and also to be to be kind with everybody. And if I can add to that, Gonza, I think uh, what's really interesting is that right now uh, there's it's almost a question of where can AI not be used, right? Because you can see it in so many contexts. You mentioned coaches, players, and I think they're the ability to analyze the massive data that is already there in a lot of instances and then be able to showcase how that data uh, can predict strengths, weaknesses, positions on field or court, uh, time on field or court, and how all of that determines performance, strategy. It really does change the game and how uh, any coach, um, manager, and or player really thinks about uh, the right way to move forward when they when they're looking at the game or when they're looking at um, how to enable the team to be a better full functioning team. And I can think, for example, in the U.S. with the Major League Baseball um, and and NBA for that mat- matter, the Basketball Association, a lot of uh, AI enabled tools are being leveraged for hiring players, improving their scouting processes which ties right back into what we were just talking about, this idea that you can really have better performance data that drives better decisions on who's on the team, uh, what types of balance do we need in our team players and, and strengths and weaknesses, which, again, is going to fundamentally change how things work moving forward because it's going to start even at very early ages. If you think about children now uh, who are uh, bright stars in certain sports, starting to really analyze what they're doing at the ages of 9, 10, 11, and their growth getting to professional players, it's going to be phenomenal. Absolutely. And I think that you just nailed it. Um, I think that right now there is no space where we cannot use AI or data. Um, and the data already was there. And right now we have the possibility of using that data in real time and to provide insights to change things in real time to enhance the game. That's, a, I think, the, the biggest uh, trend over the last years. And I think that there are three things that came together at the right moment. There is the, the race of AI in the sports industry. There is, we have data because we do have a lot of information coming from different sensors, trackers, cameras, and other systems. Uh, we have the possibility, that's IoT, right? Uh, to, to put it a name. We do have the possibility of processing that. That's the word of deep, big data, processing that data. And we also have the possibility of adding intelligence on top of that. And that's what AI put on the table. And the conjunction of those three things, it's the very, very important part in, in this conversation, I guess. 
That's a really good point. I think if we were to add one other group to that, it's the fan and the fan experience and engagement. I think, um, as you mentioned, data you know, data is power. In any industry, it's power. King, queen, you, you name it, it's power. Uh, the more you have it, the better. However, data is still just an input, as you mentioned. And I think that we've had data probably for um, a number of years. So it's not the lack of data, it's just new formats. And maybe more importantly, how AI has now allowed that input to be leveraged in new ways. So that uh, that 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 point that you just made around live, I think is quite fascinating because um, especially post-pandemic when everyone was coming back to live experiences but had gotten used to their digital experiences and were, were maybe a little bit uh, <laughs> in friction of what's better, what's worse, how much of this, how much of that. Uh, now, I think with AI coming, frankly, becoming uh, more of, more than a buzzword, I think it's been a buzzword for 10 years, but now becoming more than a buzzword and showing real use cases and really becoming active in all of our daily uses. Just yesterday, I was experimenting with my nine-year-old on, jet, on chat GPT, and he's like, wow, you put in one question and it wrote a thesis for you? And I said, yeah, it pulls all this data in a split second and it gives you an answer. May or may not be right, but it's giving you an answer based on data. And that's what we're moving towards. And I think that's exactly uh, what you were referring to. And what's more interesting is that fan experience piece of it, because I think you mentioned earlier this idea to add active and live and real-time uh, you know, subtitles or to be able to translate something really quickly to information that someone can consume, especially those that might need consumption in different ways. They don't do it in the traditional way. That's transforming the fan experience at large. I'm curious to hear what you think about the, the fan side of it. Absolutely. I, I think that we fully agree. Um, I think the fan experience is probably the, the area that is going to be impacted uh, by AI a lot in a good way. Uh, and we're starting to see the materialization of that work over the years, right? And that buzzword that AI was uh, from the last six years, let's say, uh, from from the uh, race of deep learning, uh, to put it a, a milestone. And right now we're starting to see that in action in different parts of the journey, not just the live um, event. That like you said, uh, things have changed from starting from the pandemics and the way of consuming sports uh, or entertainment in a general sense, it's different. And we do we don't know yet how that's going to progress towards the future. Um, we are having some, uh, in, within La Liga Tech, we're having some very deep discussions on how to improve the experience of the fans. Uh, should that be tailored to the venues experience? Should that be uh, focus on improving the streaming of the content? Uh, in which format? Uh, are they going, the fans are going to use still the mobile applications? Are they going to shift towards the VR solutions? That's an open uh, an open discussion right now. But I think that also there are several friction points in the fan experience that we were uh, unaware before uh, having this. For instance, one of the conversations that we're having with the clubs here in Spain is that still there is a lot of processing of the season tickets that is being done by a human being at the stadium because the the fans wants to go to the stadium and to see if they change their seats, how that's going to be for them as an experience. I'm going to be closer to uh, to the field or not. What's going to be the view? I'm going to be closer to the referee. 
Uh, what about food and beverage? So all that seems to be simple. It's not solved. And right now we could solve it. Um, and actually we were having some discussions with some folks in Lebanon saying we could apply some specific models of AI to per, to generate 3D rendering of the stadiums in order to give the fund the actual view of a seat in the stadium and also doing a match. So they could view that on their computers, on their uh, phones or iPads uh, and not going to the stadium to actually see and uh, try to sit on that specific position to change the, the tickets uh, for the season. So it's not just about the real time, but also the pre-match and the post-match. So we're um, making it wider for the fans to be connected with the, with the clubs or the institutions and they follow. That makes me think of, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the venue versus the uh, team versus the league experience. Um, we work very closely with the LA Clippers, the NBA team here in the US. And as we're engaging on this idea of we have a venue and the venue is the core location of the experience, and people come to the venue, whether it's for a sports team and game or not, they're in this space and we want the space to still feel uh, very alive and dynamic. How do we enable that with data-to-data uh, -data analytics? Sensors, as you mentioned, is a big part of it, being able to collect information and to help with cues and uh, where to direct and navigate people as you want to make sure things are as seamless and as easy as possible. But they're still there to enjoy something live. So that, that merger of we're in a space and the space is traditionally very static uh, and traditionally doesn't have a lot uh, of, of movement <laughs> unless it's the people moving. Uh, how do you enable that with AI? How do you enable that with data and data analytics to allow for a more dynamic space, even though it's still a physical space not moving? Uh, so it's kind of an interesting thing to think about, um, especially as it relates to that fan experience Fans go to feel something with the the sports team that they are a fan of, um, and the more you you give them the information to be able to do that, even live during a game, the ability to have uh, information in their hands while they're watching the game for that information to be instantaneous. You don't have to wait for it. Something happens on the court or on the field, and they all of a sudden get the information around what just happened is, uh, I think, something that many people are really looking forward to because, again, it goes back to how do we merge the digital and the physical experiences together? Uh, I think that's going to be really interesting. There is definitely a food of thought or, or a group of people who say, well, when you're in those experiences, you don't want to be on your phone. And that's true. But believe it or not, 80% of the people in any arena or any stadium are on their phone, whether we want them to be or not. So how do we take advantage of that and give data live? Um, and I'd, I'd love to hear from you on this topic because this was really interesting for me as I was uh, engaging in a, in a conversation with a sports team around um, the, the younger generation and wanting to entice them to be more ingrained and engaged in sports and especially specific sports teams. They have a smaller attention span generally. <laughs> I hate to generalize, but it's true. As we as as we evolve, we have smaller attention spans. So we want things in little bits and pieces. And that data needs to be uh, really, truly just in time and not even five minutes from now. It's this happened. Ooh, look at that. And this is the stats around it. And this is what it means. And 
Uh, I know that some of the things that, that you're working on with the La Liga tech side is exactly that, instantaneous data based on something that just happened. Um, I'm curious on your thoughts about that because I think that that's going to be that next leapfrog we have to make is how do we merge that ability to give that data in real time based on something that just happened and then the story around it because that story is what really engages people and they're like, oh my gosh, did you know the last time he shot from this corner at this angle on this day was you know three years ago and this was the weather condition and this is what happened around him? Um, that's kind of very fascinating. What do you think of that? That's a great topic. And I think that there are several parts in, in into that question, right? Um, for sure, uh, one of the things that we were discussing is that the way to consume entertainment has changed. Independently, uh, um, if you're on the venue or at your house from your coach, the way you consume it's different, right? And that um, symptom that the people is looking at the phones instead of looking at the game happens in both situations. So the way to consume the content has changed and it's very tied to social media impact, right? So we are very prone to switch between content, looking for what could stimulate our brains. Uh, and in real sports, that doesn't happen all the time. So we need to look for alternatives to provide that uh, push uh, of endorphins, let's say, to your brain in order to get you uh, interested in, in the sport. So that's one of the things. Uh, I think that there is some, not two points to consider that. First, um, we all want you to go to the stadiums, right? Because we have measured uh, that the behavior of the fans um, the venue, the, the ambient, the, all the theme that could be built on top of that is actually affecting the game. And there is an advantage of having your local fans pushing the teams and supporting you. So we want that to happen, right? But at the same time, um, the human being is looking for a win-win situation. So we need to provide you something that is better than the experience at home for you to go to the stadiums. That could be tied to the passion uh, and the bonds that you have with your team. That could be tied to um, a memory of you going to the stadium with your parents, uh, for instance, or your brothers, sisters. Uh, or that could be an hand experience. That could be you're watching the game live, you are feeling uh, the ambient uh, in the stadium, and you're also having that information that could be provided through our broadcaster. So that's also very important. Another thing that is uh, tied to this, and it's one of the topics that we are also uh, discussing a lot, is that the personalization part of, of the equation is already solved. And we have been seeing very good solutions for that space. What it's very important right now, and this is tied also to social media, is to understand the different moods of a person and the contextualization of that specific moment and to provide you something that you're looking for in that specific moment. Um, and I used an example of the workout, of course, being Argentinian, that's one of the topics that I still have on top of my mind. Uh, but when I was watching the, the game, the final of the workout, and in the last minute, the goalkeeper for Argentina stopped that final shot from France, that was the very perfect moment to sell me every kind of merchandising of the Argentina national team. And I was very willing to buy anything. So that's that specific mood that I had at that specific moment. And that context is that we need to look for uh, taking care of. 
because and that's an extreme example, of course, but that's what we need to focus on. And that, I think that that's where we should go in, in the next year, in the next month, near future, I would say. That brings up a good point around, you know, kind of situational AI, let's call it. So uh, an instance or something happens and how immediately the response can be from the team, the league, you know, whomever's on the other end to their fan base. Um, that's obviously where AI is going to play a big role. It does today to some extent, but it will moving forward is that instant response to, you know, this happened, therefore this, and you need to now think about this because exactly what you mentioned, I think is a big part of it. The, the natural human behavior of emotion when it comes to feeling something and during that feeling and that high, being able to react to it is exactly where I think AI can have that instant, uh, you know, interaction and touch point. Uh, and, and obviously it gives people access to more things than they would have had before. To your point, if they had fed you that information a week later, you might have said, oh, I don't need I don't need that shirt today, but you needed it in that moment. So how do we then commercialize um, as well? However, it's not commercialization purely for the sake of advertising. It's mostly to say this is super custom to you as a fan. We know you're a fan. We know you're watching. We know you're excited. Um, how do we then feed you something that that helps bring it all together? And I think that's that could be data could be information. It could be sales of of paraphernalia, which to your point uh, would obviously benefit everybody. <laughs> um, but I think that also brings up an interesting point. Uh, Ganza and I wanted to hear from you on this because we talk a lot across the globe, but I can speak specifically to the U.S. around data privacy, security, if AI is leveraged to provide that level of information on customization is it too much? Is it too personal? Do they know me or can they hear me? That they, as everyone says, oh, my phone can hear me and can therefore do something very unique. You know, on one hand, my my perspective, my opinion is that it's already out there. So, so all you can do is protect it on your own in terms of what you share and how you share it. But, uh, you know, some people prefer the customization. I do. I prefer to say, looking for, you know, a black hat and 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 to know that that is what gets fed to me because that's what I'm looking for is helpful. I don't need to go searching for it. It comes to me. But there's also a side of it where it is about, uh, you know, obviously data security, cybersecurity. Uh, there is a lot of fear of that. You don't hear about that fear as much in the sports industry as you do in banking or in some of the other ones. But it's still there and it's still, I think, behind the scenes. So I don't know how you're thinking about it or dealing with it on, on your side. Another great question. Um, I think that it's coming down the road. Um, I think that we hear that from other institutions way more because we still don't think that the sports industry, it's a tech industry. So we do not relate the solutions that are being provided to us with that specific aspect of the tech side yet, but it's coming down the road based on that, that you're, you're saying, right? That, Hey, this is something that I was telling my wife, I know an hour ago, how do they know? And it's not because they are hearing you. It's because that personalization and the segmentation of that specific, uh, human being, it's very accurate. So that's one part of, of the story for sure. We need to take care of the security, the privacy, and the ethics uh, of the data. That's very, very important. Um, for us here in Europe, uh, it's a law. 
actually. So it's a very strict law. There's GDPR, and we need to fulfill that. And we're working a lot in in that space. Uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm going to use a phrase of a friend. It's Pablo Vitor, he's the former CTO of Loban, that he once told us, uh, I know better than anyone that I'm sharing a lot of information with some specific tools, but if they are providing me a service that is useful, I don't care. And I'm going to use, the example was Waze, I'm going to use Waze to get home faster because the service pays for my data. So I think that that's, part of the approach. If you're providing a quality service to the fan and they know what you are doing with the data, you're going to be on safe ground. Um, and there are several things that that are being discussed in, in different um, forums and, and institutions of, for instance, you already have the footage uh, of the teams uh, and you are tracking the sports metrics, right? If they are running more than the average, if they are on a missing the passes more than usual. But there is another aspect that could be considered. There's going to be a little bit problematic, but you already have the information is why not assessing uh, the mood of a player? Is the player frustrated or not? So that is going to affect the performance of the player is not being openly used right now. But something that is very, very important those changing the mood of, of, of the team, for instance, that we could relate to defense as well. Because if you detect that, you could try to ask the fans to be more supportive towards the team in real time. So you have like that feedback and the win-win situation. But if I kept, I go until um, I don't know, a soccer player, I'm going to use the footage of your face, your expressions to understand your mental state, that's going to be tricky, right? But it's the same, depending on how you tell the story and you already have the data. They are being broadcast uh, to the whole world in real time. So every single person in the world could watch you live. So the data is already there. Uh, so it, it's a very interesting discussion, uh, honestly. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's what it is. The data is there. It's being captured in multiple ways. We'd like to think mostly for good mostly for good. Obviously, there's some bad out there as well. But I think that's it exactly ties back to what we're talking about. This is where AI is going to truly have the right impact as it relates to advancing technology within this space is we have the data. We haven't used it in this way. But now we have a superpower brain behind us that allows us to use that data in a very unique way biometrics that before were used only for this are now being expanded to allow us to do exactly what you mentioned. And, you know, I know that there's, you know, a, a, a school of thought out there that we can even get to the point to say, you know, on uh, this day with this kind of temperature at this angle, at this time of day, this person tends to do better as a forward than this person does uh, just because the dynamics work well with their training. Um, and I think that's where it gets really, really interesting is how coaches and uh, training and performance start to, even for a player, start to change because they start to recognize information that they didn't know before. They might have a gut feeling like, I know I do better, you know, kicking in this corner from this time of day. But once you have the data and you and you see those patterns and and the systems are allowed to, are giving you information that says, 
you know, player XYZ, this is when you were at your peak. It actually does impact and affect them as a player, the team, and of course the fans around them. So there is a lot of really interesting, I think, anecdotes that can come from the speed of processing, the type of processing, how the data is being analyzed. And then, you know, to the point we're making is how we use it, how we use it to make sure that we're making, you know, the, the player better, the team better, the fan experience better, pulling it all together. And, and I realize there's some things that are better than others, some teams and leagues that are better than others and, and being able to access that information but they're already doing it. That's how they do all the statistics. And that's how, you know, the sports casters are able to give you all the stats from all the teams because they have an inventory of data. Um, I used to have a, a, a friend or someone, an acquaintance that I knew uh, who worked behind the scenes at one of the broadcasting and his sole job, and this is maybe 15, 20 years ago, his sole job was during a game, watching the game, pulling out facts, it literally researching live facts. And then being able to pull the facts, send it over to the broadcaster so they could say, oh, it looks like, you know, in 1983, this exact same thing happened. Um, but that was a delayed reaction. And also it was a human trying to find facts and they had to know where all the inventory was. Um, that's a very easy example of how that's going to change and how that has changed. This ability to be able to do that quicker and use that person to do something else more valuable for them, but also give that information uh, to the fans, to the teams, to the coaches, so that they can make changes during the game and not afterwards, to look at the, the the data afterwards and say, next time we should think about it this way. But live, feeding the information to say, look, you've tried this for the last 15 minutes, it's not working, time to make a change, and here are some possible options based on what we've seen based on data. Uh, you know, it, it really does make everyone's job a little easier, um, but I think that's, that's the interesting thing because you still need you still need um, the data and the information, but you also need someone who really understands how and why. And to your point, it's not just about the facts. It's about the person. If they're you know, in a frustrated mood, if it's not their day, they're just having a bad day, you have to be able to see that too because performance only shows certain things. It doesn't show every moment in every, in every person's interaction. So that's going to be another interesting thing is how do you match this information with what you're getting from the data what you're able to see live because you're feeling it to be able to turn something around, I think is going to be really interesting. Absolutely. Those to identify those micro moments, uh, it's a term that we use. That's very powerful. The thing is that you can use cameras and not in Europe, for instance. So maybe in, in some parts of, of the world that could be useful. Um, and then you will have this discussion right regarding the security. And the people are going to say, no, I don't want my face to be exposed uh, because I had this conversation when, with my dad a few weeks ago. And one of the things that I told him is that you are already using your iPhone, unlocking the phone with your face. So what's the difference? Uh, and he shifted towards, you're right. I'm already doing it and it works and the benefits are great. So why not? Right? But by default, if the communication is not clear and direct, the people is going to be afraid of, of the solutions and the technology. Of course, AI, that you can relate to all the movies in Hollywood of bad things happening, and that's instant uh, for us. But if you can tell what's behind that, or even since we're having that, this conversation, I'm pretty sure that uh, the software that is recording us is using AI to reduce the noise. And that's great. 
And that's a very powerful solution in the use of AI. The same can be applied to sports and to entertainment, right? To make your experience more delightful. Uh, so why not? Of course, being very, very protective of your data, um, the solutions and the results, and also taking care of the human being in the loop. But why not? That That's my, my perspective. Of course, I'm not objective because we come from this world. Uh, but I think that we have very good things uh, down the road. Yeah, and it's all about use cases, as you mentioned. And I think there are very, very obvious and clear use cases. And, and just that example you gave of your dad, he's used, he's gotten used to it. Maybe the first few times he thought, this is strange. And then he got used to it. And now it feels very normal that his face identification is is, is unlocking things. Um, it, you know, I just was reminded as you were saying that Apple obviously made a big announcement uh, the other day and uh, this idea of leveraging uh, VR, AR, uh, all the R's <laughs> uh, in augmented reality, et cetera, around um, sports. And what's interesting is I feel as if that was one of the first places because of the gaming components of these wearables and these tools, there was a very interesting direct correlation. Like you can be in the game, you can feel it live, you're, you're almost on the field with the players, it feels very real. But I don't think it really caught on, and and I haven't tried the 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 new Apple lens. But what I've read about it is that it's one of the most natural feeling. Of course, that's how technology evolves. Um, feeling wearables, and it opens up doors, you know, for for so many other things. I you know I'm I'm a big believer that these are the types of experiences that truly change, not just for the fan to feel like they're there, but even for players as they're training, as they're preparing to relive an experience in the experience. That game the other night was not good. Everybody, <laughs> put on the glasses, let's reenact, let's relive it, and let's understand what we did wrong by being in the game once again. That feeling, I think it's gonna be quite special as well because it goes back to you know, your experience, your dad's experience, the fact that data's already out there. How do we use it in new ways? And I think the sports industry is probably gonna be one of the first because of the tie to a very close tie, I think, to gaming, uh, the ability to actually have movement and be able to see and feel that movement live in the experience. It's going to it's gonna open a lot of doors as it relates to that technology, but just the, the immersive experience itself. Um, and I think that that's going to be another space that I'm, I'm really excited to see where it evolves to because it also gives access. One of the things you said earlier is about how do we get fans to the games, but there's a lot of fans who don't live in cities where there are games or don't even live in countries where their fanship sits. And I know it's much more common for you uh, with La Liga and, and football than it is um, with us in the US where usually it's very city focused teams and fanship. Uh, and so I think there is something really interesting about extending our reach and being able to bring in fans, especially because a lot of the leagues in the U.S. are going international. You might know uh, of, of the reach with the NFL into Europe and the U.K., expanding games in Mexico uh, with NBA and other teams. That idea of leveraging this technology to be able to expand fanship, create immersive experiences, and, and truly create fans when they've maybe never been to a live game, for me, is that next level of what that experience could feel like. Absolutely. Um, and I was thinking hearing you that I think that we do not have yet solved the immersive 
solutions in, in the sports. I think that there is a massive potential for that, but it's still hard to use. The entry barriers are high. Uh, we do not get used to use it. Uh, so there's something there that is still missing. Um, and also, uh, I was watching um, Apple's announcement, uh, and one of the things that I think that they also nailed it, and is they have put the human factor in place, showcasing your face to the uh, to the other persons to the outside uh, of the, of the lens. That's something new, and that's something that strengthens the the bond with the people. So it's easier for the other person to interact with you, even when you are immersed in that new expanded experience. So that's something that for me, it's key. And uh, there is one of the things that we're missing from, from the other solutions. But I think that, like you said, the possibilities are endless, uh, but we couldn't solve it yet. Yeah, it's one of it's one of the many things that I think people are ex- interested in, like the metaverse, <laughs> but haven't quite figured out how to to create those immersive experiences. Because you know, at the end of the day, we're still humans. We still want to have some sort of live interaction, touch and feel, and that's where I think you know AI, to your point, because of the movies, scares some people. There, you know, AI is going to take over, and all of a sudden we lose control and power. Um, but I think there's a lot of interesting spaces where we can leverage that. And you know, if we go back to this idea of where it's being used, maybe where we started the conversation, where it's being used in in sports. I think one thing you said is it's through the whole spectrum of of the experience. So obviously through the training, how they train, what they train, uh, how training impacts certain things, performance, pre, during, and post-game, coaching and scouting, selecting players and selecting when and how players play, uh, changes that you can make live during the game and make sure that uh, as things are evolving and based on the data, you may or may not want to put someone in a certain role, you know, post-game evolution of those those players and also those micro-moments. You know, I think that's a very important point is how do you uh, truly take advantage of those moments, both to better the outcome of uh, the player, the team, and and the and the experience, but also to improve and evolve, uh, you know, the the industry at large. I think there's one thing that uh, I mentioned earlier, working with the LA Clippers, and they've been very vocal about this. This is not about just us or just our team or just our sports. It's about the entire industry. How do we collectively? evolve the industry, leveraging technology in the right ways uh, and being able to take advantage of that. So we're all we're all making the experience better for all fans because, you know, collectively, you know, there there's a win out there somewhere. <laughs> wow. This conversation has been so insightful. To wrap it up, where do you see the future of AI and sports going? Where are the most promising areas of application and what benefits can it offer? Probably, uh, given the things that we were discussing, the, the area that has potential more impact for AI is fun experience. There is a lot of work to do there. Um, we're scratching the surface because we were focused a lot on the on-site experience. Uh, and right now, after the pandemics and after the COVID and the way the world has changed, we need to think about different ways to engage the fans with the sports, with the teams, uh, with that feeling that you could sense if you're in the stadium. But like Tanya was saying, probably right now, most of the people that is supporting a team is not going to ever see a game live. So we need to also offer them those experiences, those reachful experiences. 
uh, an AI could help a lot on that. Um, in immersive solutions that we were discussing, there is still a lot of work to do in how to provide that atmosphere to, to them and to really feel that they are part of the change and the live event. Uh, so I think that there is a lot of possibilities in, in that field. Yeah, I agree. I think we've talked about many things that are already happening and have been happening for some time now. But to your point, we're just scratching the surface. This concept of how do we take this uh, high level 30,000 foot data and then go down to, you know, the the one foot, <laughs> the foot level data is something that I think we're still working on. And we're going to we're going to get there in terms of advanced performance analytics, for example, or real-time decision-making and how we do that in a better way because many times it doesn't get to the coaches real-time because they're in the middle of a game. So we can maybe find ways to do that to, to support. Um, one of the big things that I have been reading a lot about is injury prevention, for example. So a lot of players tend to you know, want to make sure that they're, they're keeping themselves healthy. Are there ways that AI and data can help with things like that when it comes to their training, uh, recovery and and when and how you can anticipate someone coming back to the game and that's that's quite I think evident in a lot of teams um, and then beyond that I a hundred percent agree and I think that that fan experience is maybe one of the hottest topics in the sports industry and where and what AI can do to enable that experience to make it immersive to extend reach I think is a big thing because it's not just about people who cannot be in the cities or who cannot be there during game time, but it's those who actually can't access, whether it's because of a disability or otherwise, who have no access to those uh, opportunities to feel a live game and to feel what that looks and feels like, uh, to give them those opportunities through data-data analytics, through the wearables we were talking about, whether it's a VR, AR experience. Uh, I think that's going to change change at large. I mean, I think one of the, there's probably two or three things that are probably common amongst all humans around the world. One is sports. And I think the second one's music. (laughs) That's my personal opinion that you can really count on that are just consistent and everyone in the world in some way, shape or form can relate to. And how we can use that to really change the way we come together and the way that we fanship together, I think is going to be a phenomenal next step. Artificial intelligence, combined with data and other technological tools, is already changing the way players train, how business decisions are made, how players think about injury recovery, and even the way fans experience their favorite sports. But as Tanya mentioned, the next step in this game is going to set new rules in the industry. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more insights on season three of Unscripted Tech, a Globant original podcast in collaboration with Posta, where we reflect on how artificial intelligence will shape our future. This podcast was produced by Guido Scolo, written by Roque Casiero, and edited by Nacho Ugarteche. Our executive producers are Luciano Banchero, Diego Del Agostino, and Juan Manuel Geraldez. Our content strategist is Georgina Portes, and I'm Rebecca Reed, marketing strategist at Globin. To learn more about how we seek reinvention, go to Globin.com and follow our show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.